Thank you for tuning into this teaching. We hope this message blesses you. Our mission as Marigold Church is to do anything and everything so that anyone and everyone can encounter the real Jesus. We hope as you listen to this, you encounter the real Jesus. Let him transform your mind, transform your heart, and encounter you today. All right, welcome back. As we are getting ready to wrap up the message that we're doing right now, uh, or the series we're doing, 10. We're talking about the 10 commandments, and today we are on commandment number 10. And then we still have a couple of bonus videos that we'll be uh, putting out as well, kind of addendums or part twos of a couple of our messages. But we are getting into uh, number 10. So I'm going to read real quick before we pray and then move on or uh, move forward. But uh, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, and this is commandment number 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's house you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you, Father, for your commandments as it gives us uh, just an outlook into your heart, Father. We know your heart. We know your excellence. We know you, you as, a, as a father, just as a protector and looking over us and Father, we know that you don't give us commandments, Father God, to kill our fun or kill the joy, but Father, to keep us safe, to keep uh, us safe with one another, to keep us safe, Father, and connected to you, Father. And we thank you, Lord God, that in this message that we would hear your voice, that just as I speak, Father God, that that I would be a, a just a, a good representation of your love and, and, and just how much you truly care for us. In Jesus' name. So we're talking about not coveting. So do not covet. And and, and in specific, it's talk, talking about your neighbor's possessions. We're going to talk about where it does tell us something and gives us a kind of almost, if you didn't know and you didn't hear this message, you would think, wait a minute, this is contradictory because it's telling me not to covet. But then later on, it tells me to covet. So we're going to break that down for a little bit or in a little bit. But I want to read two stories. And, and I, you know, if I had to, you know, kind of call this message something, I would say uh, a story of two kings. And the reason I picked these uh, two stories in the Bible and this, this series of scripture, because one, first of all, they were both kings. And second of all, they both fell because of this sin of coveting. And but once one king was just really an, an, an ultimately a very evil and the other uh, considered a man after God's own heart who had fallen into covetousness. So we have the evil of the evil and a man after God's own heart that were both snared by this 10th uh, commandment. In fact, the, the, the scripture talks about in, 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 in Romans, I believe it's Romans chapter 7, where Paul, uh, Paul of Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus, one and the same, Saul, his name is later changed to Paul. But he is kind of a Hebrew amongst Hebrews, you know, a, a, a man of men, a Hebrew amongst Hebrews, really a Pharisee of the Pharisees. So, and he talks about how no one can fault him on any of the commandments. He kept the commandments, at least what they could see, that he had a hard time 
with this commandment number 10, that that was his undoing. Commandment number 10, that he coveted. And the reason he could, you could look so good, because on the others, you could fake them. But you can't fake what's in your heart. And that's where you're saying that this is the one that, that, that got him is, is they couldn't fault him on anything else, but only because they couldn't see his heart. And really this, 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 this coveting is the one that, that it's, it's at the, it's number 10, but it's really dealing with issues of the heart. We've heard issues of, of, uh, of the way we worship and, and, and what we do with our hands and, and what we do with our mouth and, and speaking, how we speak about God, how we speak about our neighbor. But this one really cuts into the, this issue of the heart. And so without further ado, I want to read. I'm going to do quite a bit of, of reading, but I felt like these stories were very important to understanding this idea of coveting. So we're going to start in, in uh, the book First Kings. Chapter 21, verse 1. Now it came about after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab speak to, spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is close beside my house, and I will give you a better vineyard than it than in its place. If you like, I will give you the price of it in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. So Ahab came into the house sullen and vexed because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay on his bed and turned away his face and ate no food. This is a king who's really throwing a fit. In verse five, but Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, how is it that your spirit is so sullen that you are not eating food? So he said to her, because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, give me your vineyard for money or else if it pleases you, I will give you a vineyard in its place. But he said, I will, do, I will not give you my vineyard. Jezebel, his wife, said to him, Do you now reign over Israel? Arise, eat bread, and let your heart be joyful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent letters to the elders and to the nobles who were living with Naboth in his city. Now she wrote in the letters saying, Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth at the head of the people and seat two worthless men before him and let them testify against him saying, You cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. So the men of his city, the elders and nobles who lived in his city, did as Jezebel had sent word to them, just as it is written in the letters which she had sent them. They proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth at the head of the people. Then the two worthless men came in and sat before him, and the worthless men testified against him, even against Naboth before the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. 
Then they sent word to Jezebel saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. When Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money. For Naboth is now, or excuse me, Naboth is not alive, but dead. When Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, Ahab rose, arose to go down to the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, to take possession of it. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, in the place where the dog licks up the blood of Naboth, the dogs will lick up your blood, even yours. Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring upon you and will utterly sweep you away and will cut off from Ahab every male, both bond and free and Israel. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah, because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger, and because you have made Israel sin. Of Jezebel also has the Lord spoken, saying, The dogs will eat Jezebel in the district of Jezreel. The one belonging to Ahab who dies in the city, the dogs will eat. And the one who dies in the field, the birds of heaven will eat. Surely there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. But Jezebel, because Jezebel, his wife, incited him. This Ahab was not a good king, obviously an evil man. And the one thing that he was bound to have was the one thing he couldn't have. He's king of a country, a prosperous country. And that land cost him everything. He thought he got a great deal on that land, but it cost him his life, his wife, his, his palace, his, his kingship. It cost him everything to have someone else's property just for a garden. He gave up an entire kingdom, his very soul for a garden. What, a, what an evil, evil thing. But I want to read now about another king. And, I, and we've spoken about King David many times before, but I want to read this. And we're going to see where even a man after God's own heart would fall. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. And let me make sure I'm going in the right direction. Yes, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Then it happened in the spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. 
And they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbath. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Now when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam? the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. The woman conceived and she sent and told David and said, I am pregnant. Then David sent to Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked concerning the welfare of Joab and the people and the state of the war. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. And Uriah went out of the king's house and a present from the king was sent out after him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his Lord and did not go down to his house. Now when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Have you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are staying in temporary shelters. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? By your life and the life of your soul, I will not do this thing. Then David said to Uriah, stay here today also and tomorrow I will let you go. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then David called him and he ate and drank before him and he made him drunk. And in the evening he went out to lie on his bed with his Lord's servants, but he did not go down to his house. Now in the morning David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. He had placed in the letter saying, Place Uriah in the front line of the fiercest battle and withdraw from him so that he may be struck down and die. So it was as Joab kept watch on the city that he put Uriah at the place where he knew there were valiant men. The men of the city went out and fought against Joab, and some of the people among Joab's servants fell, and Uriah the Hittite also died. Then Joab sent and reported to David all the events of the war. He charged the messenger saying, when you have finished telling all the events of the war to the king, and if it happens that the king's wrath rises and he says to you, why do you go so near to the city to fight? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Who struck down Abimelech from the son of Jerobesheth? Did not a woman throw an upper millstone on him from the wall so that he died in Thebes? Why did you go so near the wall? Then you shall say, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So the messenger departed and came and reported to David all that Joab had sent him to tell. The messenger said to David, the men prevailed against us and came out against us 
in the field, but we pressed them as far as the entrance of the gate. Moreover, the archers shot at the servants from the wall. So some of your king's servants are dead and your servant Uriah the Hittite is also dead. Then David said to the messenger, thus you shall say to Joab, do not let this thing displease you for the sword devours one as well as another. Make your battle against the city stronger and overthrow it, overthrow it and so encourage him. Now, when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband was dead, she mourned for her husband. When the time of mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house and she became his wife. Then she bore him a son. But the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. In chapter 12. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David and he came to him and said, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a great many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and his children. It would eat of his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom and was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man and he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. He must make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did not because he did this thing and had no compassion. Nathan then said to David, you are the man. It is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things like these. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? Have you struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword? Have you taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon? Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you from your own household. I will even take your wives from before your eyes and give them to your companion, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. Indeed, you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and under the sun. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blasphemy, the child also that is born to you shall surely die. So Nathan went to his house. Then the Lord struck the child that Uriah's widow bore to David so that he was very sick. 
David therefore inquired of God for the child and David fasted and went and lay all night on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him in order to raise him up from the ground, but he was unwilling and would not eat food with them. Then it happened on the seventh day that the child died. Now this is a long story, but it's so important that we see this all started with coveting. He coveted his neighbor's wife. Ahab coveted his neighbor's garden or his property. And coveting will lead to so many things. And we're going to get into this. I'm going to just break down a few things. And we see coveting throughout the Bible. We talked last week about Eve. She coveted something, so she bit the fruit, the forbidden fruit. The the fruit that she was forbidden to eat was the one that she bit. She coveted something. Lot, he coveted the valley, a prosperous valley where Sodom and Gomorrah were. It cost him his wife. It it cost him a a lot more. He lost so many possessions. He thought he was gaining, but he was really losing. We see Achan in the Bible stole from the city of Jericho and then it cost them the the army. It cost the army, the the city of Ai. We see this in the sons of Eli, the sons of Samuel. We see it in King Saul, King David, King Ahab, Jehazi. It doesn't stop in the New Testament. We see it in Judas, in Simon, in Ananias Ananias and Sapphira. We see it in Demetrius. We see Felix and Demas. All taken down or hindered or set back by this sin of coveting. And coveting is is so closely linked with our eyes. David saw Bathsheba. Eve saw the fruit. Achan saw the riches and wanted to take it for himself. So let's talk about, I want to talk about four things. uh, And then we're going to talk about four other things. So we're going to talk about the the problem. We're going to talk about greed. And really it's this thing about giving or or receiving instead of giving. And and what can I get? And how can I acquire? How can I I fill up my can and... And, and, and sit on the lid and do whatever I can to keep it and to gain not only mine, but yours as well. And this is this, this greed, and the greed is, is an epidemic beyond COVID. It, this greed, this coveting. And coveting is, is, is more than just a desire. It's desiring what someone else has. They have it. I want it. I want it. I don't want to go through the process. I don't want to pay the price. I want it, and I want it the easy way, the quickest way. The problem with greed is, and and these are all going to start with the, the, the letter D, okay? So the first one is a man is drugged by what he has. And as you acquire more, it's a drug because it's you want a little bit more. You want a little bit more. You have more, 
you want more. And the more you have, the more you want. The next one is you're deceived. So now you're drugged. I got to have a little bit more. I got a little bit more. And now, you're, now that you've acquired a lot, it's taken you some time, but you've acquired it. You've acquired success. You've acquired security. But you're deceived. You're deceived at your success and you're deceived in your security. I've said this many times that the worst failure is to succeed at the wrong thing. And if, you've, if God has put something in your lap and put something in your life to give out and you've taken it as your own and you said, you know what, this is mine and not only is this mine, I want someone else's too. I want more. I want more of this. And having more of this makes me a success. That is a deception. And if you think you've acquired so much that now you're secure, you're deceived. You can't take any of it with you. There's this man in the Bible that he, he, he went on to build bigger barns and bigger barns to, to house his many possessions. And, he, and, he, and his pride arose in his security. And the Lord spoke to him and said, you fool. Tonight your soul is required of you. And so for all his getting and all his stockpiling, there was no security because we all will die and we take nothing with us. There was a man who had millions of dollars and his dying wish was that it all go with him. And someone clever said, you know what? We can't stuff all that cash in the casket. It'll never fit. Instead, we'll just write a check. I wrote a check, put it under his hand. But guess what? Whether it was heaven, whether it was hell, there was no cashing that check. He could not take his possessions with him. A man is drugged. A man is deceived. Number three, a man is dismayed. I think it was... Uh, Rockefeller um, that talked about, you know, you know, when is enough enough? They asked him, when is enough enough? And he says, just a little bit more. He just wasn't content. He was dismayed at what he had. I have it all, but when will it be enough? I don't know, just, just a little bit more. And you're dismayed at the fact that I've, I've gained all this. And I, it, it's empty. I thought I would feel better. I thought I would, I thought I would feel successful. I thought I would, I thought I would be fulfilled, but I'm instead of fulfilled, I'm dismayed. It just feeds right into that deception of success and security. And last but not least, a man is destroyed. The scripture says, what good does it do a man to gain the whole world? but you lose your very soul. And if we're not careful, we can let this coveting, this greed, I gotta have more. I gotta have more. And there's nothing wrong with being blessed. There's nothing wrong with having things. We have things. 
We have books and we have uh, we have our our house. We we live in a in a nice house. We're, we're blessed. But we have the house. The house doesn't have us. I didn't have to sell my soul to get this house. It took just year after year, just working. Hey, we, we, when it came to, uh, we needed to expand. We, our, our family had outgrown the house. We didn't get into a bunch of debt. Now we said, you know what? I know this is gonna be inconvenient, but we're gonna do it one step at a time. We're gonna, we're gonna do it ourselves and it's, we'll piece it together. And, and we've been so blessed for that. And, and it gave us time to, to, to really see what is it that we want, not what does everyone else have and what works for everyone else. Oh, I want their house or I want their property or I want, no, no, no. My wife and I, Jen, we got to just, we got to discover each other more. And we've been, it's been a five-year journey and we've only been married seven and a half years. And five of, the, five of those years have been, we've been working on the house. And I'll tell you what, it, it's helped us to grow in our relationship with one another. It's been great. It's, there's been challenges, but it's been great. It's, been, it's really been a blessing. So what is the solution to greed? The first one I'll say, there's four, uh, conversion. You know, there's no hope until a man is converted. Because as long as, as long as we're in our fallen state, we feel entitled. I'm entitled. We have a give me attitude. Give me. The prodigal son said, give me what's mine. Give me what I have coming to me. Give it to me. It's mine. I'm entitled. But he went out into the real world and fell. And it wasn't what he thought it was. And he went from entitlement to enlightenment. And so his words coming back to his father were not give me. It was forgive me. This attitude of forgive me. Forgive me for thinking that I had it all together. Forgive me for thinking that, I, that you owed me anything. Forgive me. The second one I, I would say is consecration. So all of these, I'm sorry, the, the, all these four will start with a C. So first is conversion. Second is consecration. Giving everything to the Father. Father, this is, this, I know I, I have the privilege to call this my house, but Lord, it's not my house, it's your house. And I'll do with it whatever you want me to do with it. This is not my property. Father, this is your property. You've given me stewardship over it, but Father, as a steward, I'm not to do what I feel is right. I'm to do what you tell me you want done with this property what you want done with these possessions. And, and we should do that with every, every possession in our life. God, do I have this possession or does it have me? But Lord, I'm, I, and the way to solve that, Lord, I'm gonna give it all to you. I, I give it all to you. Now you tell me what you want me to do with it. That collection I've been collecting, Lord, I give that to you. Lord, what do you want me to do with it? Do you want me to hold on to it? Because it can benefit someone? Or Lord, do you want me to give it away or sell it? Or what is it that you want me to do? What is it? Or destroy it? What is it? 
It's all yours. You tell me. I don't tell you. You tell me. It's all yours. Everything in my bank account, Lord, that belongs to you. So what do you want me to do with it? How do you want me to give? Who do you want me to give to? Do I give to the church? Do I give to a neighbor in need? Do I do all of the the above? What is it that you want me to do? Father, it's not mine, it's yours. I've consecrated it over to you. Number three, contentment. Learning to be content, whether you have a lot or a little. The apostle Paul said, I've, I've learned to be content, whether I'm abounding or abased. I'm at the top or at the bottom. It doesn't matter to me. I'm content. The, the, the Lord's prayer, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And sometimes being content is harder when you have a lot and you have the means to get a lot more. Am I content to live with what I have so that I can give more? Or am I still coveting that little bit more? That little bit more. I'll give, but, but first I got to get a little bit more. I plan on giving, but after. I'll give you my money, but after I reach my goals. All right, we got to be content. We got to convert, be converted over to the Lord. Lord, I, forgive me. Then consecrate it, then content. And last but not least, we need to covet. Now this sounds contradictory because the scripture says not to covet, right? Well, not exactly. It says don't covet your neighbor's house, your wife, donkeys, servants, those things. The things that belong to your neighbor, yeah, don't, don't covet those things. But covet the good things. Have a strong desire for those things that will help a neighbor. Have a strong desire to gain something for the sake of giving it out. And the attitude is not, what can I get to keep and hold? Father, what can I get to give away? And you see the attitude. The attitude is, I'm, I'm, I have a strong desire to serve versus I have a strong desire for things to serve me. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 talks about what to covet. So the answer to coveting the wrong things is very simple. Covet the right things. Strongly desire the good things that God has for you. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father, that you would guide us in this, Father. Lord, this is this is not just a problem for the rich. It's, it's a problem for anyone who just has this overcoming desire to be rich. And, and I want to be something. And I want to be this. But Father, I want to be yours. And everything I have is yours. I thank you, Father, that you would help us to grow in that attitude. That, Father, it's not my money. It's not my possessions. It's not my property. It's not my belongings. Father, I've consecrated it to you. It's all yours. What do you want me to do? Lord, I thank you. And I couldn't do this on my own. We can't do this on our own. We need your Holy Spirit to guide us. Show us where we need to lean in more. 
Maybe it's we just maybe we haven't truly given ourselves over to you. Father, we we, we want to give ourselves over to you. We declare that th- that journey with you starts now. You are the way. And Father, we seek you. We seek your son because your, your son, Jesus, is the way. Your Holy Spirit is guiding us straight to your son, Father, so that we could get to you. And I thank you, Lord God, that your son, Jesus, is the great connector. Lord, where we've broken the chain in these 10 commandments, these 10 links, this chain that linked us to you, where we've broken it and severed our tie to you, Father, by believing in the Son and repenting to you, the Father, and receiving the Holy Spirit, that that chain is, 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 is put back together so that we can be one with you once more. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Hey, if this message or any of the content that we've been putting out has blessed you and you're wondering how you can partner with us in generosity, there are a couple ways to do that. You can download the PushPay app and you can search Marigold Church and you can give that way. You can also set up reoccurring giving and it's really user-friendly. It makes it really easy to give. You can also text Marigold to 77977 and give that way. We believe God moves through a generous heart. So we would love to see what God does through you as you partner with us and as we walk through this journey together.